Hello, you're listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. At Lifeway, we believe that life is better together. So stay connected with us by visiting www.lifeway.church or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Lifeway Church. Now here's a message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Amen. So turn with me over to Matthew chapter 24. The title of the message today is People in Bad Times need good news. People in bad times need good news. I didn't say bad people need good news. It's people in bad times need good news. If you're a people, a person, and there's bad times, which, yeah, but we need good news. I need good news. You need good news, right? We all need good news. There's a lot of emphasis on the end times today, a lot of emphasis. And so I've been really studying along that line, and and I encourage you to do so, not to be scared, but to be prepared. God doesn't want his bride, uh, the bride of Christ, to be unprepared. And so he spoke some things to us from his word that are very relevant for 2020, and so that we wouldn't be caught unaware um, you're in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read uh, verses 12 through 14. First, I'm going to read just verse 12, and we'll, we'll pause there. Jesus said this. These words are in red. Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Pause right there. The increase in wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. Now, the word love there is agape, and it's a a deeper love than just physical between two people. It is a deeper love, and so we could say that love for God has grown cold, right? We could say that there has been uh, an increase in wickedness, right? (laughs) I believe we're in the last days. Jesus said this, there's an increase in wickedness. Everything bad is on the rise. Um, You look at addictions. You look at pornography. You look at human trafficking. You look at crime. You look at suicide. I serve as a chaplain for the uh, Gwinnett County Police Department, and we've had multiple calls in the past seven days for suicides in this county. And so it affects us. It affects us. We're not just called by Jesus to hang out in a little hole and pray that he come back, but we're to make an impact. But we have to open our eyes in order to make an impact. We have to acknowledge that things are going on, right? The enemy is coming against humanity and that the love of even some people that love God, it's growing cold. They're turning back. Even Jesus said that... uh, the through the word that there would be a falling away. The word says that there's going to be a a falling away. So there's a danger of Christians falling away. But, I like the but there. But, right there, verse 12, 13. But the one who stands firm. Everybody say, I stand firm. (laughs) You need to declare that you stand firm. To the end, will be saved. And this gospel... This gospel of the kingdom, the words that Jesus spoke, 
will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So there's a huge opportunity. There's a door, a a window of opportunity. We've been talking about that for four weeks. We have to see the opportunity. We have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to grow personally. And then we have to take that opportunity to see that non-Christians get saved. The gospel will spread. The wickedness will increase, but there's going to be some good news that increases. The good news is, over the past 40 years, there has been a revival of salvation that has overshadowed the 1980 years before that. Because in the last 40 years, there's been more people saved than the previous 1980 years before that. Think about that. Because there's more people on the earth today than there ever has been. And there's such an opportunity now for people to get saved, for non-Christians to give their heart to Jesus, for people to start following the Lord. And so how do we reach the harvest if we know there is a harvest? John chapter 4 and verse 35. Let's, let's read that real quick. John 4 and 35. This scripture is eye-opening, pun intended. Two people got that. I'll read the scripture and then I'll say the joke again. This scripture is eye-opening. John 4, 35. And Jesus said, Don't, this is the inter, New International Version. It says, don't you have a saying? The King James says, don't say that there's another four months until harvest. So let me explain this. They had a saying that says, hey, it takes four months to sow a seed and reap a harvest. And Jesus is pointing to that saying, you know, you have to wait for the harvest. People, people say that today, you know, some sow and some water. And it just, you know, just takes a while. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't say it takes a long time because the day of harvest is here. The day of harvest is now. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields that are white unto harvest. They, they, they became white because the sun had, had hit the grain and made it a certain color. And the farmers knew that if it was golden, if it was shimmering, if it was gleaming, if it was glistening, that it was time to reap the harvest, right? And so Jesus is trying to get us to, to quit making excuses, quit making excuses because it's harvest time. It's harvest time. And it's time for us as laborers to reap the harvest. Jesus is inviting us to get up, get busy, look up, open your eyes and recognize the opportunity. We've got to recognize the opportunity. There are people all around that don't have hope. They're looking for hope. They're wanting hope. And the hope, the anchor to your soul, the hope of Jesus Christ lives in you. Do we recognize that Jesus lives in us? We are already a witness to the gospel. Everybody point at yourself and say, I am a witness to the gospel. 
Now, it's, the gospel means good news. The Greek word for gospel means good news, and it has the word uh, that is tied to the word eulogy, eulogy. And when someone does a funeral, they eulogize someone. They're telling something good about that person to eulogize. So the Greek word for eulogy, good news, also, but it includes the, 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 the message that they're giving, but it also includes the messenger, a good messenger with a good message. And so we're the good messenger because we have a good message, right? God has created us a good messenger. Look at Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. He was prophesying about a time that we're living in today, in 2020. Isaiah said this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring the good news. How beautiful are your feet because you bring the good news. We got wrapped up in the beauty of God because we're containers and carriers of the message. We're a good messenger with a good message. We bring the good news. Here, here we proclaim peace. We bring good news and we proclaim peace. The Prince of Peace has come and you can have peace on the inside. You don't have to be angry at everybody every, every day. When Jesus comes in, the anger goes out. Amen, somebody. <laughs> the Prince of Peace has come to reside and live in you and bring peace into your life. That's good news. We bring good tidings. We proclaim salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is your day of salvation. And then we say to Zion, our God reigns. Isn't that a good message today? It doesn't matter what's going around on the earth. It really doesn't. Yes, yes, we have to listen. We have to be observant. But our God reigns. Jesus has, hasn't fallen off the throne. And his power is still extended. He's still healing today. He's still moving today. And he's moving through his body. And I happen to be one of those beautiful, good messengers with beautiful feet. No matter what my feet look like to you. They're beautiful. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. This is after he said, look up, look up, and look at the harvest. He tells them what to do. Not, not just look at the harvest, but let's do something about it. Because if we, don't, if we only look at it and we don't reap it, then we're going to lose it. So we have to look up. And, and see how valuable it is and see how plentiful it is. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I believe that because a lot of people today have been lulled to sleep. They don't want to work. Well, if I can just get, you know, a handout, disability, I, I won't ever have to work another day of my life, and I'll just collect that check and just sit back and watch Netflix all, all day. Wait a minute. No, it's time to get up. Get out and let's work. Let's work. <laughs> let's work for the Lord. Working for the Lord. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Move on them, Lord. Ask, ask the Lord. Move on the laborers, on the workers, and move them into the harvest fields. Are you in agreement with that? Yes. It's time because the harvest is ripe. 
because Jesus' blood already paid for the harvest. And as we see the harvest like he sees the harvest, it's time to get up and to move out. We're good messengers with a good message. So here's what we need to do. Number one, we need to accept personal responsibility. If you're a good messenger, and I see a bunch of good messengers in here and a bunch of good messengers watching this morning, we have to accept personal responsibility. Romans 10, 13 says it like this, the New Living Translation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved or will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? I'm a someone. You're a someone. Someone has to tell them. And how will, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Well, Jesus this morning, the head of the church, is sending us again. That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. We have to accept personal responsibility that we're the ones that are sent to tell. So let's make a declaration. Say, I'm a sent one with beautiful feet to tell them the good news. <laughs> you just signed up. Actually, when you came into the family, Jesus commissioned you. He gave you the words to say. You know, you don't have to have a doctorate in theology to tell people how good Jesus is. You don't have to have diplomas on your wall and spend years in theological training center to tell people what Jesus has done for you. It's time for us as good messengers to accept personal responsibility. Number two, we have to develop a personal relationship. Developing a personal relationship. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians the first book of, to the Corinthians in, in chapter 9 and verse 22. This is the Living Bible. I like this translation. It says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Let me read that again. Listen to the words. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. So I have a part, he has a part, Christ has a part, and then at the end, he's part of Christ and Christ is part of him. But we have to develop personal relationships with people. Here's a quote from John Maxwell, I like this one. I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. <laughs> I don't have to be like them, but I do have to like them if I'm going to reach them, right? So we have to develop personal relationships. We have to build bridges of love over which the truth passes. People really don't want to know how much you know until they know that you care. And so that caring opens the door for them to listen to your good message. The third thing is we... We share our personal story. We share our personal story. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, the New International says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared 
to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, and, and people stop there a lot of times, but I like this next part just as much as the first part. But do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, be sensitive. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So there's a way that we tell people our personal story. It's not in a braggadocious way because people can sense, people that aren't born again can sense when you're bragging and you're proud that you're a Christian. And we need to be sensitive, and this verse says gentle and with respect let them know why we have the hope that we have to tell them my story my story when I was 11 years old I was invited with some friends to go to a service down in Brunswick Georgia and I was born in 63 and it was 74 and I went with my friends as an 11 year old to a service and as I was sitting there in the back of the sanctuary in a denominational church I was listening to what was being said. Now, 11-year-old kid, I'm there with my friends. You know, I think that they were going to have some party for the young people afterwards with popcorn and Kool-Aid or something. So I was probably there because my friend asked me to go. We're going to go have fun. And we're going over to the rec center afterwards and play ping pong or basketball and eat popcorn. And so I went, not knowing what was going to happen to me that night. But I'm sitting there, and I listen to the minister minister. And he gets to the end, and he says, I've got good news. Good news. Jesus Christ died for you. Now, I had been to Sunday school. My parents were not a uh, church-going family. But when I was a little kid, I'd been to Sunday school. So I'd been exposed to Jesus, and I had a desire. My aunt told me this. You always had a desire to go to church. And so I went, and I listened and he got to the part where he said, bow your head and close your eyes. On your heart, or you, he, 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 he painted the picture with his words. He said, there's a door to your heart, and you have the key that unlocks the door. I'll never forget it. And if I start telling it, I'll, it takes me right there. You have a key that unlocks the door to your heart, but you have to give Jesus that key. And if you do, he'll come in. And when he comes into your heart, there's a big change. And so I'm having this, as an 11-year-old, having a spiritual experience. It was a vision. I had my eyes closed, but I could see this very clear, plainly and clearly. And so Jesus, I gave him the key. He comes in, and there's a window on the door of my heart. And when he came in my heart, that window began to light up. And that light began to grow so bright that it just covered the whole scene. And I, I, I didn't see my heart anymore because the light was so bright and it just took over everything. And from that day till this day, I've never, never doubted my salvation. Never. That's just what the Lord did for me. That's just my story. It's my story, but it means something to me. And I can get excited about it. And when I tell people about what happened to me, wow, there's power there, right? And so maybe your story is different. Not everybody's story is the same. That's a great thing. Jesus came and he gave us peace. And 
that personal story. I like to say it like this. Your personal story is the greatest tool that you have in your toolbox. Right? How Jesus changed your life is the greatest tool that you have in your toolbox. I'm going to ask John to come up here and tell us his encounter just yesterday or the day before. This is how it works, guys. When one person touches another person, one person touches another person. Glory to God. Hello, Lifeway. Glory to God. Uh, The first thing I want to tell you about this is we have to understand that this is a story I'm going to tell you about salvation. Hallelujah. And, and, you know, when, when one person repents and gives their lives, we know what happens in heaven, correct? The angels, they rejoice. Hallelujah. And so also when one part, we talked about being honored. We'll talk about being honored. When one part in the body is honored, what do we do? We rejoice together. So here's an opportunity because I'm excited about what I'm going to tell you. And I want us to rejoice as a family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So here's, an, here's the opportunity that, I, that presented itself to me just the other day on Friday, August 14th. I told the pastor, I told my wife, I said, I'll never forget this day, but I'm having a conversation with my mother. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, we need to start getting excited. I said, I'm having a conversation <laughs> with my mother. And we're talking about what's going on in the world today, how things are being covered up. And I'm explaining to her, I said, you know what, Mama? I said, you know, the law came. We know the law came to show sin. And I said, you know, Mom, I said, you know, today things are being covered up and accepted in the world. And it's blinding people. It's blinding people. And people are going away thinking that the way they lived was fine. Until they have to approach what they have done in their life until they have to face God and he he has to tell them, but no, that's not it. So I I was telling her, I said, something made me stop and I said, hey, mama, you know what? Have you given your life to Christ? And she said, what do you mean? And she said, "I I was baptized. And the minute I heard that, I was like, it took me right back to where I was, Pastor growing up from where I'm from, and I, and I won't say what, what, what we were following at the time, but the point was that I was in the exact same place back in 2003, sitting in the desert, thinking that, you know, well, I was baptized, I thought I was okay. So when I heard my mother say that, you know, something just hit me. It was like, well, mama, hey, she was like, hey, what, what is this, and how do I get saved? So right then and there, I said, Mom, it's very simple. It's the easiest thing you ever will do in your life. And thank God for the baptism. Thank God for John's baptism. But there's something special about when the spirit, your spirit is awakened. And now that blood, that true, that blood comes upon you and that anointing and and, and awakening of your spirit. And right then and there, I said, Mama, let's go right now. I just need you. I just need to ask you a couple of questions. And that's all it takes. And I'm like, Mama, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. I said, all you need to do is confess this with your mouth and you, are, you will be saved. 
Glory to God. So right there, she was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Glory to God. And right there, we, we, and I led my mother to salvation. But as we prayed at the end, this is, this is what's awesome. This is what the Holy Spirit, now all of this is awesome. Glory to God. All of this is awesome. But as we were praying, hallelujah, I said, you know, Father, I just thank you for my mother birthing me. Hallelujah. Listen to this. I just thank you for my mother birthing me. Glory to God. But then the Holy Spirit showed me that he showed me this. He said, but I'm even more thankful that you gave me a part in her rebirth. Glory to God. And now to that, you know, me and my mother can't be as close as we are today because it's not just by the physical blood, but now it's by the blood of Jesus. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. Thank you, Father. Amen. That's Hallelujah. Awesome. That's you. awesome. <laughs> and so as I'm preparing for the message and thinking about, oh, how, how do we illustrate this? I get this call and John is like up on the roof. I mean, he's on the ceiling, walking on the ceiling, just so excited. I got to share this with you, Pastor. I got to share this with you, Pastor. So, man, what a great illustration to illustrate how how simple it is to get in a conversation and, and listen to the Holy Spirit to say, hey, let me ask you this quick question. And it's all about an invitation. It's an invitation. People may know something here, but until you invite them to speak it out and declare it and then tell them what happened. Tell them what happened. So we have a good messenger because we have a good message, let's talk about the good message. Isaiah 52, 7 says, again, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. They proclaim peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Here's what we say to those who need a good message, that God loves you. God loves you and sent his son to pay for your sins. In the most famous verse in the Bible, we know it, right? John 3.16. New International Version says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then I like to quote the 17th verse because it's just as important. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him, through him, that they might be saved and experience eternal life. And so I say that whenever I use John 3.16 to let people know that, listen, God is not condemning you. He loves you. And he sent Jesus to pay for your sins because he loves you. The second point is God can give you peace no matter the circumstance. No matter the circumstance. So it doesn't matter if you've lost your job. It doesn't matter if you're contemplating suicide. It doesn't matter if, you've, you, if you're down to your last dime and your unemployment benefits have run out and there's no more money and no more food. It doesn't matter your circumstances. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, can give you peace. He said in John 16, he said, I, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus said you can have peace in him. We're looking for peace in the world and peace from the government and peace from that and peace from that. No, peace is in Jesus. 
That's the good message. That peace, we can have it no matter where, where we are in, in the desert in 2003, where you're afraid for your life and you're fighting for your country and you think you're saved, but the peace comes in and you know there's a reason for your life. And no matter the circumstance, God will give you peace. That's the good message. Here's the third point of the good message. God will give you the strength to make it through. People are falling by the wayside. Strong people, rich people, all kinds of people in the world are falling because of a lack of strength, because they just get tired and weary and give up. But God will give you the strength to make it through. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 3, says, if the good news that we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is only hidden from people who are perishing. If the good news is, is hid, it's, it's hidden behind a veil from the people who are perishing. And verse 8 and 9 says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're per perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Because God gives us strength. And when people give their life to God... The strengthener, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who comes alongside of you, begins to live in you and gives you a supernatural strength to make it the next day and then the next day and then the next week and then the next month and then the next year. He causes you to lift your eyes up to see where your help comes from, to receive strength on a daily basis. That's what you tell people. Listen, here's a good message. A good message says... God will give you strength. God can help you through. If you can't see a way, God knows the way. And then the last thing about the good message is God is ready to save you right now. He's ready to save you right now. And then we go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. Like John was talking about, hey, mama, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you what you need to do. If you've never done this, this is what you need to do. You may believe, the Bible even says the devils believe, right? And they tremble. But they're not about to confess Jesus as Lord. That's why we have to get people to confess Jesus. Hey, I invite you. You may not have the words to say. And I'm going to do this in just a second with those that need to get born again. You may not have the words. The words that I give you are not magic words. They're words that are coming from my heart because I've already been down this road. I've already accepted Jesus. And I make this daily confession. Yes, I accept you. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, you're my Lord. It's a daily thing that we do. But we have to begin confessing Christ that day that we submit and commit our life to him. Because Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And so that confession is necessary. 
If you can't speak, I know people go to that extreme. Well, what if somebody can't speak? They can write it down, <laughs> right? Somebody that doesn't have the ability to speak. You can communicate it. You can declare Christ publicly, and that's what, that's what it means, that we need to declare Christ and our belief in Christ publicly. We act on the good message. He's here to save you. Will you let him? Here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. We confess. We give our life to him. He gave his life for us. I give him my sinfulness. He gives me eternal life. If you're at that place right now, I want to pray with you. I want to invite you to make this confession. This is how we do this. Again, there's no formula. I'm not reading this off of a page. There are certain things that I'm going to say because of what I know about the scripture. That's why it's important that, that we, as a good messenger, understand the Bible enough to tell people, this is what you do. I mean, it's so simple. Lord, here I am. There you are. I receive you. I give you my life. And I confess, like Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, I confess that you're my Lord. So say this with me, Heavenly Father. I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me, that he gave his life for me. He shed his blood for me. He provided eternal life for me. And today, I accept that gift, that free gift of eternal life. Jesus, I believe in you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to walk in your word every day. Fill me with your peace and your strength. In Jesus' name. If you've just done that, please let us know. Please let us know. They're going to put a link there at the, on the bottom of the screen. Please let us know because we want to help you. You know, the church, we're here to help people find Jesus and walk with Jesus, right? We want people to know God. That's why your personal testimony is the strongest thing that you have. How good is God to you? Who do you say that Jesus is? Go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray for us that God would empower us. He would help us because we need his help as we go and we begin to dialogue with people. Listen, I can't tell you how many people are. I know we're right on the edge of something huge here. I can hear it, I can feel it, and I can see it. 
there are people that are flooding into the churches. And the more that the government tries to keep people out of churches, and I'm saying state governments, and you guys know, mayors and governors and all of that, the more people are like, let me in. Now we know church is not a building, but don't let the government try to take the buildings away from the church, right? <laughs> don't tell us we can't meet when the very reason that this country was started is so we could worship God freely. Come on now. And I do know there's a crisis going on. I'm not ignorant of that or trying to ignore it. Let's be safe, but let's worship Jesus first. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for our right in this country to worship Jesus and to put him first. And Father, as a church family, that's our desire, to please you more than we please men. Thank you, Father, for giving the church favor with the government. Thank you for eradicating COVID-19 and all of this stuff, the persecution against the body of Christ and the strife in the body of Christ. Thank you, Father, for giving us your peace. Today, we need it more than ever before. Father, fill us with your strength. Show us what to say and what not to say, when to speak and when to be quiet, where to go, where not to go. Show us how to love people as we meet people on the job, in the grocery store, at the post office, everywhere we go and everything that we do, Father, we want to be conscious, conscious of your love and how you sent Jesus to us, not condemning us, but loving us. Make us an instrument of your peace, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for using us in our humanness, in our... <laughs> In our inabilities, Lord, you give us ability, supernatural strength, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You order our steps this week. You protect us this week. I thank you for building a hedge around us. Thank you, Father, for giving us favor, opening doors, taking us to places that we've never been so that we can do things that we've never done before. Use us for your glory, for your kingdom, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If this message was a blessing to you, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with someone you know. And if you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at www.lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the LifeWay Church Podcast, and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.